I have been going and celebrating a lot of weddings recently. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the the wedding of uh, it's a summer of weddings of people I know, which is mm-hmm. delightful. So mm-hmm. of course, Nick and Riley's wedding, delightful, wonderful. It, it was okay. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. It was, it was fine. fine. It was fine. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> and then uh, just uh, last weekend, was it last weekend? Time is weird. It's a flat circle, in fact. I know it's a flat circle. Nothing exists. Um, I was able to go back to my old assignments, uh, and I have have friends there and people I've met and built relationships with. I was able to do a wedding for a good friend. Nice. Uh, for her and her uh, now husband. And it was... Does she listen to the podcast? I don't think so. Maybe she does? Then I don't care. Uh, fair enough. So take that, Rachel. <laughs> Whether you are heart listening. But she's great. Her husband's great. Their families are wonderful. It was great. Um, so awesome. I, I normally don't go to receptions unless I know the couple. Because, I mean, right. I, I am... Despite That's what kind people, of my rule too. Yeah. Despite what people think about my personality on this podcast and thing, I am very introverted and... Uh, Oftentimes awkward. And you know what? The family doesn't need to babysit the priests. Let them go have fun exactly. and do their thing, right? That's just my yeah. opinion. That's how I do things. Plus, it's usually on a Saturday night, and you got a busy Sunday always. Yes. I, and I know myself. If I go out, yeah. I will stay out late, <laughs> and that's not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but it was nice to go to a couple of receptions. And, um, yeah. Uh, and given you know there enough distancing and all that stuff, there, there, had, there, uh, there was dancing at both. So I was thinking of like... Songs that are just really uh, fun to dance to. And this one song uh-huh. just kept coming to mind that uh, I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Have you heard about this song? It is it is the best dance song in the world. And that's weird, Father Harrison, because I completely agree. And we have... Wow, we agree. It's weird because we have disagreements about dancing and whatever. We, you know, listen to previous I mean, episodes. We've gone so when fights. it comes on, you obviously go out and dance. Oh, absolutely. Why wouldn't yeah. you? You have to. You put down your drink, you go dance, you have a good time. Exactly. Yeah. No or one... you dance with your drink. Yeah. Well, see, I'm not a big fan of dancing with okay. the drink. I, I know. I think you got you got you got to use you got to use both hands. I think. When you're I, dancing. Think, I think we've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> the dancing with drink. Yeah, that kind of bothers uh, me. Debate. But you know what? Yeah. One way or another, you're there to have fun, do whatever. But yeah. like, you basically have to dance when I want to dance with somebody. Comes on. Exactly. And that's why I was really disappointed when Riley and Nick called me when I played it for them. Yeah. They just looked at me with scorn in their face. Why would they do that? I don't know. It's like they don't know how to have fun. Very sad. Very sad to me. I was really saddened. I was like, I'm like, this is a great song, guys. Like, come on, let's 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 dance through FaceTime. This is great. And there was just this look, this long look of scorn and it's disdain. That was very sad. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. I wonder what's going on. It's almost as if uh, Nick has hated that song, producer Nick has hated that song for a long time and actually banned mm-hmm. it at his wedding reception. And it's almost like the whole universe keeps reminding him in different ways and in different forms that that song is awesome and he's wrong. I, I've heard rumors that despite the ban, it showed up. Did it show up? Did you go home already? I should have known. I left at 10. That was my bedtime. I'm an old man. Oh, okay. I probably it was probably after yeah. that. So yeah. uh, that's enough trolling, <laughs> producer Nick. Welcome <laughs> to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Anthony. I'm Father Harrison. Um, so I'm settling into the new parish, and it's crazy busy. And I'm because this parish is like three times the size of my last one. Yeah, geez. And I'm the only guy here. Last weekend I had six masses on the weekend. Oof, which is a lot. It is yeah. a lot. Uh, I'm a little 
done with corona stuff sometimes but that's another thing um it was just it's just been bad timing in some ways um because i also have my first round of edits due to sister the, the pauline publishing with sister Teresa, who's my acquisitions editor and i mean i love sister Teresa. we love sister Teresa. we've had her on the podcast a few times yeah but i have i have questions about as i'm reading through her edits I wonder why she hates me so much. That's interesting. Why would somebody, our only reoccurring guest, have we had her on twice? Yes, we've had her on twice, yeah. Has she been our only reoccurring guest? She has. Why is she being so mean to you, Father Harrison? It's almost like she disrespects the priesthood. It's almost like she's living out the charism of religious life. <laughs> right? Yeah. I can just feel the ruler wrapping my knuckles mm-hmm. as I'm reading her comments. No. Shame, shame, uh, shame. I, I'm joking a little bit, obviously, but it's like editing is one of those most is one of the most humiliating processes in in human existence, really. Mm-hmm. Because you see your inadequacies inadequacies very quickly. And you think you see, oh my gosh, I'm being repetitive here. Yeah, you're right. That doesn't make sense. But why am I such an idiot for writing that in the first place? Uh, you see all the markings because you track changes on Word. So you see all the markings on all that. And I'm just like, why does sister hate me so much? <laughs> <laughs> I know she doesn't. We ha- we actually had a good laugh about it. It's actually a good learning process. Yeah. But uh, it's really, like, editing is tough. Yeah, man. Uh, I haven't done a lot of writing. I did some, like, creative writing in college. And I remember just the experience of of sharing that with another person. Because you're like, yeah. here, here, I made this. And the person, if they love you, they have to look at the thing you've made, the thing you've poured yeah. your heart and soul on, and be like, this is a piece of garbage. And now I'm yes. going to help you make it better. <laughs> and that exactly. is a purifying and experience. And that's what I keep on reminding myself. That's the job of the editor mm-hmm. is to make, it's to take... The gold that's underneath is to just remove all the the junk around it. Exactly, and that's their job. But it's purifying. It actually is. It's 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 humbling because you start to see. Wait, that happened because of I was not paying attention when I was writing that section or something like that, or because I was a little too last minute with that piece or something, that bit of the book or whatever. So it's very humbling in that sense, and you do learn lessons. But it's like it is a cross in a way. Um. But in a good way, because it purifies you at the same time. So I'm joking. I know Sister Teresa is a good friend, and I know she actually doesn't hate me. Sister Teresa. And she, she, and she even affirmed she even affirmed me. You know, there's actually one part in the edits. She goes, this section is gold. And I'm like, okay, I don't feel so, I don't feel so horrible anymore. And she said, this is normal that by the end of the editing process of a book, you usually hate your editor. <laughs> awesome. So here's the thing. I am not an editor, okay. nor would I ever tell Sister Teresa what to do. I'm simply offering a suggestion. Uh, okay. Sister, if you could be meaner to Father Harrison, that would bring me joy. <laughs> In fact, the amount of meanness you pour into your edits increases my spiritual joy. So it's just something for you to think about. Uh, you're the expert. You're the pro. Uh, so but if you're in a really good that. mood one day, yeah. that, that'll mean that the communion of grace that is worked out in the church mm. has flowed over to you. Yep. And that means that she's been really mean that day in her edits. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so if I, you're in a good mood and I haven't looked at, at whatever she's given back to me or whatever. Yeah. That's what it I'll seems know. like. I will know. That's very I will know exciting. What's up. Okay. Uh, so it's good to edit books, uh, but you really can't edit tweets, which makes a lot of people angry. And yeah. uh, we're going to read some of those tweets. Awesome. On the Summa Tweetologica. Summa tweetologica. Summa 
Father Harrison. Yep. There have been a few times in our recording career in the last two years where something has happened in the news and I've wanted to record immediately. Mm -hmm. It's like, we have to talk about a thing. Now, it's good that we don't do that and we just keep to our schedule and give us more time to think about things. Yep. But if you've been on the internet and you've been browsing Catholic news, something really crazy happens. Oh, I know what you're going for, because I said we yeah. should talk about this on the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And since we've cut down these, uh, the Suma a little bit, uh, it'll give us some more time to talk about it. Awesome. So uh, let's pick the tweet from Ed Condon, at Canon Lawyer. And he tweets, Conferring a valid baptism isn't rocket science. It's the bedrock of the church's great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. You'd think, after 2,000 years of practice... It should be hard to get it wrong. And yet... And Ed wrote a nice little uh, commentary article in the uh, National Catholic Register. Yeah, National Catholic Register. Oh, okay. And what he's talking about, in case you haven't heard, is super crazy. So, if... (laughs) You may, if you've never heard this story before, I want you to make sure you listen to this entire section at once, because you might freak out, but it's going to be okay, all right? And just a little forewarning, let's not be too, let's not worry so much about our own baptisms and their validity, because there's a lot of freaking out going on. Right. So let's, let's, let's just be calm, cool, chill, and normal. Yeah, okay. So you've alluded to already. Yes. A little while ago, the Vatican put out a clarification. And clarification was that if you use the formula, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, that doesn't work. That would be an invalid baptism. The correct formula, and this is very simple, I've never had a problem saying it myself, is I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the quick uh, theological explanation is that when the priest baptizes, it is Christ who baptizes. It is singular. It is I. Uh, It's similar to the words of the institution for the Eucharist. Um, We we speak in the first person, right? Or or the absolution and confession. I absolve you. If we said we absolve you, it would be a problem. Yeah, because whomst is we. There is no royal we in liturgy. We don't have that. That's made up. Um, (laughs) And, uh, but I think, I think what I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that in some circles, there was this kind of idea that baptism welcomes you into the community, and so it's kind of like the community baptizing you. And this is when people try too hard to complicate things. Because indeed, when you are baptized, you are welcomed into the Christian community. You're part of the body of Christ. You are welcomed, and the sacraments of the church are opened up to you. Fine. But it's not the community that baptizes you. No. It's Christ through the priest. So, so before we go on, I actually have a story about this. 
Okay, yeah. I remember I was actually talking, we were talking with Ed and JD about this a bit. And Ed's like, I've never heard of anyone actually doing this. And I'm like, oh, I have a story. Oh, no. I have, I have a story. So when I was in seminary, we had a canon law teacher uh, tell us this the series of events. He was he was um, supplying in a, in a parish and they asked him to do a baptism after mass. And he said, yeah, that's fine. So after mass, he takes off his stuff. He gets ready for the baptism and the baptism prep coordinator comes in and she says to the priest, so at the time of baptism, um, what you're going to do is you're going to throw, you're going to pour the water over the child, but the whole community is going to say, we baptize you in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Oh my. The priest subsequently took off his stole and his alb and took out his car keys. And she goes, where are you going? He goes, well, I have to go to the chancery. Well, why? Because how long have you been doing this? She goes, oh, about 10, 15 years. How many baptisms a year? Oh, 75 to 100. So he goes, he goes, you have 800 baptisms that are invalid that we need to get fixed. I didn't realize this was so widespread. I thought this was one errant deacon. No, it. I mean, it's not. Okay, let's let's to to not freak people out who are listening, right? Because right. this is this. I I saw this on Twitter and it was disturbing to me that people were freaking out for a few reasons. First, there's a distinction, and actually, I want to do a podcast maybe on this one point. What is grace and the church's understanding of grace? Mm-hmm. There's sacramental grace, but God has other forms of grace in which he communicates himself. So if a baptism is invalid, it doesn't mean God's not going to love them in grace still. He's not going right. to find other ways to communicate grace to him or her. Um, so like, let's be careful. Secondly, um, we should always, it's like marriage. We should presume, like when, if someone's asking for annulment, the church presumes validity until it's given clear proof that it's not. And so it should be the same with baptism. We need clear proof that it's not, as we're going to hear soon about this story. So, like this priest heard this, he knew he had something. Oh, um, right, right, right. You don't get don't get ahead of don't get ahead of us. No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> talking, no, I'm talking about the priest and oh, yeah. went to do these baptisms, and they found out like 800 of them are invalid, right? Yeah. So, um, and it, and while it has happened, it's not as I think 90. I would say 99 percent of the time, priests and deacons have done it properly. Yeah. So let's. Let's err on the side of the church generally does things properly. Yeah. And so if you <laughs> okay. only... So let's not freak out about, oh my gosh, because yeah. I invalidly baptized. Oh my gosh, right? Yeah. If your only reason for like doubting your baptism is because sometimes other people have done it wrong, that's not a good reason. Exactly. exactly. So you can just chill. Like, I, yeah. But so it I just is, wanted to throw all those... Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Let's, let's continue into this journey. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> this is yes, a thing is. that they... It this is a thing. thing that was clarified, okay? All right, all right. So, <laughs> once upon a time, Father Matthew Hood uh, assumed he was ordained a priest in 2017. And uh, apparently, he, throughout seminary, he had this kind of like uh, f- weird feeling about his baptism, but he ignored it, because of course he did. It's, you know. But uh, he eventually um, saw a video of his baptism and the deacon who had baptized him used the formula we baptize you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit so that means father matthew hood was not baptized nor father matthew hood nor uh, yet nor confirmed nor ordained yeah and I, I saw it, I was like, oh my goodness. Like, this is a thing that, like, we, like, as a seminarian, I joked about. 
Like, mm-hmm. oh, imagine this super crazy scenario that, of course, would never happen. And right. for this dude, it happened. Yeah. And this is the, in the uh, Diocese of Detroit. And if you want to read more about this, uh, the letter that the diocese put out, I thought was excellent. It I was agree. very accurate. Yeah. Very pastoral. Um, they are doing everything to rectify these things. And uh, basically, uh, Matthew Hood, once he realized he was just Matthew Hood, uh, got baptized, confirmed, ordained, and all that stuff, and now he is a priest. And what's amazing, check out the article from C- CNA, um, the interview with him. Like, this dude is such a faithful guy. Like, he, he trusts in Providence so much. You know, I'm sure it was difficult when all this first happened, um, but, like, he prayed through it, and it's it's an incredible witness to this idea, this truth that ultimately God is in control of everything. Uh, and so like his, his witness, I found to be very, very, very inspiring. Um, but okay. So this, this started a whole big old conversation because, okay, maybe your first thought is guys, come on. What's the difference between we and I, is this such a big deal? Isn't this being pharisaical, legalistic, I thought you guys didn't like canon law. You like theology. Why are you freaking out about the minutia of this? Father Harrison, this has do you have nothing any to responses? do with Okay. Um, first, this, is, this actually isn't a canon law issue. It's a theological issue. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because this, this gets to sacramental validity, which the law of the church has a place to define it, but it comes ultimately from a theological place, right? To say that Jesus is the one to baptize is... Uh, and that that's just, that's uh, um, described through the word I is um, that's a theological clarification. So can law really just lower than theology in this case here, I'd say, um, you know, because we all know um, theology is the queen of sciences. Agreed completely. Right? Okay, good. Um, so this is not about minutiae. This is about this. The, how do I want to put this? If Jesus gave the church the keys to to heaven and earth if he or the the sorry the keys to bind and loose i should say sorry um and if jesus has bound himself to the church then jesus has bound himself to particular formulas this is what we call like in it's a it's another express form of expression of what we call like the scandal of particularity mm-hmm. right which is that jesus actually yeah because the problem becomes if like if we just say oh what well, these things don't really matter what we ultimately are saying actually the whole sacramental system of the church doesn't matter yeah and that it's and it and it's and when we're saying well these words don't really matter that's actually what we call a legal positivism right which is that really actually these things can change according to the needs and circumstances of a particular time law doesn't actually have a or theology doesn't have a underlying set of principles that mm-hmm. are absolutely always binding, right? And that's not that's not true. The yeah. church actually says no. We don't believe in legal positivism. We believe uh, we believe that laws and teaching and theology are based in divine revelation, and that the church is at service to this. The other thing is again, and it kind of ties in with my point earlier. We have to remember first, like so. Let's 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 go through some of these things that the priest would have done that would have been not priestly so obviously all the masses he said weren't masses so actually one of the things the diocese has to do is make up somehow all those mass intentions that he did Mm -hmm. okay that's one thing uh his baptisms would still be valid illicit 
So like they don't they don't conform to all what the church asks for baptism, but ultimately they're still valid because he's using the proper baptismal formula. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure in this case he is. Um, so he's using the proper baptismal formula. So like that's we're good, right? Uh, confirmation is invalid. Those if he's done any of those, those need to be redone. But usually, if you're an associate, you probably haven't done too many of those anyways. Right? Yeah. Marriages now, okay, not canon lawyer here. But I think those could be fixed very easily because mm-hmm. really it's the couple that ministers the sacrament to each other. Anointings of the sick would be invalid. Mm-hmm. And 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 the confessions would be invalid. However, I think in both those cases, like even the letter kind of says like, listen, God isn't, you 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 did everything to show contrition. Yeah. Right? So God's going to honor that. You can even just say when you go to confession next, listen, I went to fatherhood. Um, so my confession wasn't invalid. So everything that I confessed to him in those times, I also bring to the sacrament and great, you're absolved. Right. So God's not, so God work. So again, grace isn't bound to the sacramental form. It's just one avenue of grace. And so God, even God works grace in mysterious ways, often for the good of the people of the church. That isn't always just sacramental. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Let's just talk about that for another uh, second. Yeah. Because I think the controversy is people hear that these things were invalid and they think to themselves, well, God wouldn't abandon his people in this way. Uh, so, I mean, and that's that intuition is correct. God is still in control. God still cares for his people. But at the same time, they didn't receive sacramental grace. So it, it's it's and also we have to take like the, the, the zoom out version of this. I think sometimes Catholics get a little bit um, crazy in the brain. Uh, they li- there can be a temptation, especially with scrupulosity, to um, live from confession to confession. What I mean by this is like there's a fear that, like there's a desire, like I really hope that I go to confession before I get hit by a bus. And what that kind of fear is revealing is a lack of trust in God's providence. And it, it, this is, there's a lot of reasons why that could happen. It might not even be the person's fault. It might be because of woundedness that they fear this or whatever else, you know, maybe bad teaching. But we have to realize, take a step back, like God is ultimately in control. Uh, and, and when we're saying these things, we're in no way demeaning sacramental grace. Like that's the big stuff. Um, like the, the Eucharist, the forgiveness of sins, these are, these are huge. But as we've seen, even in our time, and we'll talk about that later, sometimes we are removed from the sacraments for a time. This is a thing that happens within the life of a Christian. You know, maybe it's because you're caring for your ailing spouse. And in normal times, because you have to do that, you couldn't make it to Mass. God's not going to damn you to hell because you can't make it to Mass, right? We have to, like, take a step back and realize who God is. But as far as, uh, just to bring another perspective to this, um, of course the words matter. Like, if Christ is the incarnate word, of course words matter. Uh, so I kind of reject that premise. And then at least for personal refresh, uh, personal reflection for me, it's a reminder that God has given us this amazing and uh, awesome power in the sacraments, that these are not our playthings, that we do not control them. We cannot bend them to our will and shift around and change them as we want to. Like God has given us these atom bombs of grace and we should take care of them and have reverence and respect for them. And that's a good reminder for me and my priesthood because 
you know, as a priest, we do sacraments all the time, every day. And there's the temptation to have that become normalized and you, you lose reverence. And so for me personally, it's been a reminder of the awesome responsibility we are given as priests. And also the fact that God gives this to his church through his priests. Like, wow, that says a lot about how much God loves and trusts us with these um, incredibly powerful sacraments. So that's kind of what I've been reflecting on. Um, yeah, I know. And I, it's why like often, especially actually, I find especially with baptisms, I'm very careful to, even though I know I baptize you in the name of the father and of the son of the Holy spirit. I'm pretty much always looking at the book. Yeah. I did the same thing with like words of institution and stuff. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't want to screw because yeah, words matter. Like this is, this gets, (laughs) this gets around modernism, right? Positivism, oh, right, which yeah. says positivism, positivism says, well, there's really actually no underlying real rule to truth or law, which is so it's a form of relativism. Yep, is is a form of modernism which says mediation doesn't matter. So, in other words, what we're saying, well, those words don't really matter. We're actually being a modernist mm-hmm. because we're saying mediation isn't actually what we do isn't really the important part, and actually, no, it is. It's a, and this is like, I think this is going to be the hard thing. And it's our job as priests is to really re-educate and reform people on why mediation matters to help them. Because then it starts to get us to be more accepting of, well, actually, yeah, the, when the church says this is invalid, this is why. Or when the, and again, invalidity doesn't mean God has stopped loving this person. Right. We're just saying this sacrament didn't happen. And that's all we're saying. Yeah. Right. Like, I guess a little interesting aside is I wonder if you could bring in something around the right of catechumens to all this, because like when the right, if someone, if you're a catechumen and you die before baptism, the church affords you all the rights of the church. Right. You're, you actually get a Christian burial. Yeah. Because you're kind of like under the umbrella of the exactly. church in some way. And so you're I, under her protection. I think that can play into some of this as well, that, you know, God, God's grace is still going to work because your intention. Yeah, actually, do what you didn't get sacramental baptism, but the church affords you the the truth of it all that like or the the, the truth of redemption and the, the reality of redemption as well. So, but words matter, yeah. form matters, and we need to take it more seriously. And the CDF's instruction on this, I think, is a, another step in trying to kind of quell things. And I don't think it's a problem so much anymore, but it, this was something that happened in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Uh, and so I want to ask, we're going long on this, but I think it's important. We'll I want to ask the, you, we'll just do this one then. That's fine. Okay, cool. Yeah. Good. Um, uh, so I want to ask you this question. Okay. It's a dangerous question because it's dangerous whenever you, well, I'll just ask it. Why do you think God allowed this to happen? And I'll let you think for a second. The reason why that's a dangerous question to ask is because we don't want to get, um, we want to kind of have a holy reverence towards God's providence. A lot of times his plans are far bigger than uh, we know. Sometimes we think we understand it, but we're only in the middle of it. But I think this is part of the question. Like people have a hard time grasping, why would God allow this to happen? And I think we can approach some answers that may be helpful. I think God allowed that, like you're talking about with fatherhood particularly, or yes, yes, okay. this particular with fatherhood, yeah, because he was the right person to help show. Sorry, can we pause for a second? Yeah, I'm gonna just ask them to be quiet next door. Oh, you guys can't see this, but Father Harrison is just beating up his staff right now. Oh my gosh, I didn't know Father Harrison could do a suplex. 
He's on the he's on the top rope. Oh, it's the elbow drop. Yeah. One, two, three. Father Harrison, still the reigning champion of his new parish. Man, that's how you want to see a title defense. What was this? Oh, uh, I just turned the silence into entertainment, and now Nick won't cut that part out. Don't worry, it's fine. It's, okay. uh, yeah, so I think why he, it seems like fatherhood was the right person to make this a public issue. Yeah. Um, and God, I mean, now he's a priest again, and it's beautiful and everything. And um, um, yeah, I, I just, I think God was waiting for the right person to make this this a public issue to help, again, warn us about the importance of this. And that it's a way to help us form us towards this idea that yeah form matters words matter in the life of the church and so i think i don't know that's just it's a simple answer but i think that's why yeah i i agree i think he is the right guy uh for the job for this and i think whenever it comes to like really crazy stuff like that the the question i always ask is okay uh, what is god teaching me what is god teaching us what is god teaching uh the church and I think this is an extreme reminder that these things are really big deals. I think yeah. it's a reminder that um, I think whenever you kind of wantonly change formula or try to change up the sacraments, uh, that I mean, that's a form of pride. Yeah. And lest we forget, pride was the reason for the, the mess we're in right now. It's the reason for the fall. And so God's not going to let that pride happen without consequences as well. So, um, yeah, actually with that. Mm-hmm. You know, because like if we say, well, why does one word really matter? We could, you could actually use the same logic to say, well, why does one bite out of a fruit really matter? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just one little thing. But the yeah. thing is, these little things have, it's like, I mean, really, actually, and if we take it seriously. What if, what if Mary, okay. instead of saying yes to God, said no? Exactly. It's just one word. It's like, no, 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 no. Those words mean things. Exactly. And this is the thing. Our language matters. And this is why like, I'm very insistent on using right words for things. Because actually, guys, words really and truly always matter. Mm-hmm. If, like, yeah, to use your example with Mary, you can push it with, like, an engagement. What if you're in, you know, your husband, your, your fiance or your boyfriend proposes to you and you said no? Yeah. That means a lot different than yes. It's like, no, no, I didn't really mean no. It's like, ah, whatever. No, actually, I really wanted yes. Like, no, what you say communicates what you what, what your desire is, et cetera. So this is why words matter. Because Jesus is, the, because, and this is why it's another problem to go with I and we. It uh, The whole point of sacramental character and sacramental work is that it's not our work. Yeah, and I just imagine like someone proposes and uh, the girl says, yes, we accept. <laughs> what, is that? what does that mean? Are you a crazy person? <laughs> you got a whole lot of issues in your, going, in your marriage paperwork here. I'm not doing five form ones, okay? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, exactly. But it's also like the church actually doesn't have the power to baptize in herself. Like it's Christ's power. Right, right, right. Yeah, right? Yeah, That's yeah. what I mean. That's why. So when we say we, we're saying actually it's our action, not Jesus's. And that actually is not true. Mm-hmm. So this is why these words actually matter. Good. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I think this conversation is a kind of a good setup for what we want to talk about next. Cool. In presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral 
exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Mm -hmm. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. It's the best part. Yes, yes, quite. Yes, right. So let's start with this. Father okay. Harrison. Yes. Let's say someone gives you a call. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Father Harrison, I want to talk. Okay. And you're like, oh, I will talk with you. I set this appointment because you're a good priest. Those are the things you do. They come into your office. And what's the first thing you do? I say hello. Okay. Yeah. Good, 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 good. And maybe a little bit of an opening prayer or something like that. Sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then after that, what happens? What would you like to talk about? Yeah. Okay. They start talking about things. Okay. Do you, what do you do then? I listen. Yeah, that's that's what I was trying to get you to say. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and you do that for, I mean, uh, whether you know the person or especially if you don't, like that's the most important thing in meeting either counseling or spiritual direction or whatever. The first thing you're going to do is listen. Yeah. And that listening may involve certain questions or repeating things back to them just so that you um to make sure that you have heard what they have not just said, but meant, right? Right, right. Yep. Why is that so important? Because it shows them that you're actually listening to them. Often, sometimes it becomes a way to, for, to help them process things so that by repeating it back to them, they might even hear it differently. Or you might hear something that they've said in an unintentional way that might help them go deeper into what they've said. There's all sorts of right. reasons, right? Yeah. So yeah. those are uh, some more reasons. Yeah. Uh, maybe they say something and you misunderstand them. Right. So asking a question uh, or trying to repeat something back to them helps you understand. Because eventually, if Father Harrison, you're going to start saying something, right? Yeah. But now that you've you know listened to them and you continue to listen to them in the course of the conversation, uh, and listening also includes like uh, body language uh, and all this stuff. It's a very complex uh, thing, listening. But because you are Sorry, a good what? listener. Oh, uh, listening also includes body language uh -huh. uh, and just seeing their mood and even kind of like feeling out the energy in the room in a kind I'm sorry, of way. I'm sorry, I missed all that. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm being, I'm being, no, I'm being a jerk. I'm being a jerk. <laughs> by pretending Why not do to listen. you do this to me after <laughs> you have our to, last episode when there have, were so many problems? You have to forgive me. I have to forgive. I was yes, like, I'm like, I'm like, well, he, oh wait, he's actually taking me seriously. That here. was actually that was very good. You, you, you got me. Okay, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. So you're listening to the body language and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, because eventually you're gonna have to start talking, and you don't want to just like that counseling or that conversation. That's not a time uh, for preaching. Preaching is a different kind of communication. Yeah. But you'll you'll be able to frame things in such a way that you set them up to be able to hear you, right? Right, right. Because you can hear the questions behind their questions. You can get to the heart of things all because of listening. So that requires a dynamic. That requires both of you, right? Yep, absolutely. And then, and then, I mean, if you're going to meet with this person several times uh, and if trust has been built in that relationship, <clears throat> those conversations can be more and more fruitful. Yeah, because you get to know each other. You get to know um, uh, the woundedness or the person, what the person's struggling with. You uh, get to know their personality. It all facilitates better and better communication, mm -hmm. and it just uh, opens up the doors to all kinds of healing and grace that the Lord wants to give them in that conversation. Right? Yeah. Yep. 
Can we do that on this podcast? Listen and talk? I mean, to each other, sure, but with our listeners. Is that possible? Oh, no, we can't listen. Right, okay. So we can get emails and stuff. Yep, which we do. And we can get feedback and stuff, but it's a different thing. And that's that's one of the things that's um, limiting about this format. Because we are speaking to... Uh, what did Nick say? Millions of people because our podcast is so popular. Yeah, I think I think we're we're cro- encroaching on about one billion listeners. Yeah, right. Yeah, and praise God for our one billion listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but um, but seriously though, that makes this sort of difficult. Yeah. So maybe we have a, a general idea of our audience, like we have a general idea of Western culture, or who are the kinds of people who listen to Catholic podcasts, mm-hmm. and we do do our best, I think, to try to speak in a way that helps those people, right? But we're not always going to do a good job. No. Right. Um, well, because we, we're, we're human beings. We have limited yeah. time and resources and and knowledge of things. And we, we do, despite, despite our awesomeness, we actually don't know everything. True. <laughs> I like to pretend like I do, but I definitely don't. Yes, exactly. Right, exactly. right. Yeah. Or, I mean, just even other human stuff, like uh, maybe uh, I don't even realize that something I'm joking about is a very serious issue for somebody else. Right. You know? And if I had known that, I, would, I wouldn't joke about it. Right? right. Okay. So something has come to my attention recently. Okay. That uh, I think some people have been kind of cranky with us um, about our response to the whole COVID thing. Mm-hmm. And okay. not just COVID, but really specifically um, the lockdowns that happened first, mm-hmm. the suspension of public masses. Do you remember what was kind of like the main uh, points of what we were talking about when that first started? Just saying God is still here. Yeah. Right. God's still working. Exactly. I think we jumped right to uh, God's providence. We right. immediately started thinking about, okay, what is God teaching us through this? Right. Um, what is God revealing through this? And I think the points that we made were good points to make, but not everybody was in a space, and understandably so, in a space to hear that. Right. Um, that a lot of people were understandably like very angry and frustrated, maybe angry at their bishops or priests. Um, and like the whole uprooting of people's sacramental life, because that's what it was. It was like, up. I mean, it was a, I don't want to say it was an uprooting of the sacramental life because that doesn't go away. But there's something very intrinsic to the Catholic that was disrupted. Right. Maybe that's fair to say. Yep. Right? Uh, and yeah, that's going to shake you. Right. And, and I think it might be fair. I think it's fair to say that maybe we jumped to the points of what we were talking about before addressing that. What do you think? True, false? I don't know. I, I think, yeah. I, okay. I'm thinking about this a little bit. And I don't have an answer yeah. to this. I'm just I don't like, have an answer either. I think... But hmm. I think maybe we could have done a better job of addressing why people would be hurt or angry. Yeah. But at the same, because I think at I think perhaps part of what we were trying to talk people through was I we understand maybe that you're here, but that's not where you want to be. Mm-hmm. But maybe like essentially we're saying like you know, we're a mile ahead in the race and you're always, you're a mile back there. You need to get here now instead of helping people like make the journey. Like essentially perhaps you could do it, you you know, to use a Pope Francis phrase, you could do it with better accompaniment. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I think there's that at the same time, but at the same time, I would also say we also ought to have, um, an open heart to say, like, am I looking for, am I looking for God and for hope in this? Am I open to looking at it this from a larger perspective besides just my own emotional needs sometimes? Sure. Um, and I think that needs to be challenged. Yeah. Like, like, I'll give you an example. Like, I think, like, so where my brain goes with this sometimes, it actually gets to what we were talking about in the Summa, is I I think we have, like, a, I know this is going to sound weird to say. And okay. please, I hope everyone will afford me the opportunity to listen to what I'm trying to say with this. Okay. But I think sometimes we as Catholics have what I would call almost like sacramental idolatry. Go on. Okay. So by this, I mean that, again, we only see God's grace being fed through the sacraments. Or at least, right. like, and, and by, I mean that, by that, I mean the repeatable sacraments. Mm-hmm. And we forget that God's grace is already working through the sacrament of baptism. And it's always at work in us, right? Um, if we have confirmation, that's a permanent sacrament, which means it's always at work in us. It's not an event of the past that just... You know, it, it's baptism didn't just immerse me in the church. It wasn't just like a doorway into which I entered the church, but it actually immerses me into Christ's body completely from the yeah the insides. Like it's just it. I'm all, I'm always in Christ now through baptism. Yeah. That's its point and its purpose. And so grace is always going to be communicated through that. Um, and I guess what I mean by that sacramental idolatry, which is this idea, like I have to receive the Eucharist every day if I'm going to be holy. Which yeah. I understand where that's coming from, but we all, like, again, we know from the history of the church, there are many saints who only receive the Eucharist a couple times a year. Yeah. And they're saints because grace is, so again, perhaps, perhaps it's a moment. And so I think like we need to be willing to be challenged by that. And, but, and like to say, why am I angry? Mm-hmm. Is it? Like when I guess where I get perhaps I get frustrated is when we start finger pointing at the clergy and saying you guys aren't doing enough you're not w- risking yourselves enough for us. If I, I hope I'm not being offensive by saying that, but I, I did hear that sometimes, right? Right. You know, but instead of saying like, well, but is is my vision of the sacramental life healthy? Mm-hmm. I guess is maybe, and I and I recognize for myself, I tend to jump the gun on that stuff sometimes because sure. I see what for me, I I see the logic of it. I say, oh yeah, you're here. So the the logic of this leads to this, and it doesn't necessarily always do that. And and again, like if you're doing spiritual, like in spiritual direction, I wouldn't say, oh you're you're struggling with with this sin. Well, this is it. This is the problem. You have to help bring them along to see that themselves, and that's hard right. to do. And that's hard to do in podcast format. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is why I, I kind of wanted to revisit it because, yeah. like, yeah, um, because some people I think uh, so uh, they can't go to mass anymore. Right. A uh, uh, understandable reactions include being angry, frustrated, confused. Like, yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course, uh, and all those emotions that like just spring up. Um, there's nothing morally wrong about those things, just as pure emotions that have sp- sprung up because of a reaction. But I do think they can point to certain things. But now, I think some people feel like if we talk about, uh, okay, let's say, uh, I can't go to the Mass anymore. And then they hear priests say, uh, maybe you've been idolatrous toward the sacraments. Right. Like, that's a, that's a quick 180, right? <laughs> I know, and that's the thing. 
Yeah. And I think we maybe did that. I think we yeah. gave some people some whiplash. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, like, uh, and so you, you would hear comments uh, online and other places like, why are the priests attacking the lady? I'm like, mm. oh my goodness. No, 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 no. That's not what I want to do at right. all. No, exactly. Um, part of my job as a priest is to um, help people uh, discern what's in their hearts. Uh, I mean, and sometimes maybe I do that too harshly. I don't want to. Um, right. But yeah, it's like, no, 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 this isn't me. If I didn't care about your soul, I wouldn't point out where maybe you've gone astray. Right. And that's that's just where I'm coming from. Right. Like, um, but again, like, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Like, this, like, reactionism, I think, and I think it kind of goes both ways in a way. I, I mm-hmm. think maybe as priests, we were a little surprised by some of the reactions as well. Like the, especially the angry reactions that you see online. I was actually a little surprised. I'm like, I don't know, this seems just to make sense. We don't know what's going on. We don't know how bad this is. And we always take the, the church always takes health, both body and soul seriously. If we didn't, we wouldn't have the sacrament of anointing. (laughs) So we take this stuff seriously. Um, And also I'm like, but there's more grace at work and like, there's more grace that work in the life of the church besides just sacramental grace. So mm-hmm. for me, like that's why for me it's been a really interesting learning moment to realize, oh wait, this is this is where perhaps we've done a not a great job at doing formation, right? Uh-huh. Um, and we need to help with that. But how? I guess the the problem sometimes comes on with the online discussions is that people will often act out of the anger mm-hmm. and will refuse to actually enter to, to to be willing to enter dialogue. Why am I angry? Sure. Yeah. And I think that's the hard thing about that, that dialogue format. And I agree. I think maybe we could have said, Hey, you're, here's why you're feeling angry or frustrated. Um, but then here's how you, how you can, here's how you can move out of that, if you will, or at least to listen to Jesus in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm totally, tr- I was going to go somewhere else with this topic, but I think we're on something uh, more pertinent right now. Cause I think something else happens. Uh, so like uh, we as priests, we deal with all kinds of people all the time, 24 seven. Right. And uh, I think there could be a temptation sometimes to project upon all laity, the yeah. problems we have with some laity. Right. 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 So like maybe like uh, you're very you're you're cranky that day because someone yelled at you for a thing that you did not do and you right. apologize because yep. you're just trying to help the person out even though you know you're literally not at fault, or you've been dealing with office drama and office politics in the parish and you're trying to sort things out and help people talk to each other and and then you see some comments online and you interpret them through the lens of your own frustrations with certain laity. Right. Um, I think that's the thing that happens. Yep. And I think also on the other end, you know, there's been a lot of, like, if anything the past, I don't know, two, ten thousands years have taught us is that there are a lot of bad priests out there. Mm-hmm. And there have been in the course of history. A lot of really, really good priests. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you're a bad priest, that has a whew, uh, quite an impact, right? And there's different levels of badness yeah. <laughs> in the priesthood. Um, but I think, like, uh, then, there, and because of that, there's a lot of frustration and anger built up, understandably so. And then you end up projecting that upon priests who aren't like that. And I think sometimes priests and lady, we end up fighting each other when we're really trying to punch, we're trying to punch the ghost of something that's not there. 
Um, but so like I can't I can't lash out at uh, the difficult parishioner because that would be bad. Um, but I have the temptation to lash out online or on the podcast. In the same way, a person who is faithful and is trying to lead a, a faithful life and they see priests and bishops not doing that, they can't do much about that, but they can freak out on a podcast comments or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I think sometimes we forget that we are, we are on the same team and we need to like right. settle down a little bit. Uh, I think on both sides, I think that's the thing, a dynamic that's at play as well. Yeah. And I think, how do I want to put this? Um, it's, you know, we also have to remember sometimes a, like, especially like a podcast, you're, you can't deal with every personal nook and cranny that someone's going through no. uh, was just not possible um and so <laughs> that's like, why we never do and, like spiritual topics we, we we try to throw as many caveats as possible because yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, like, like yeah, yeah like last week's about thoughts right it was like right it was you know because there's there is there's different ways of approaching these things mm-hmm. and but i hope too like i think it's important to realize like i don't think anything we've ever done or said has ever actually really come out of anger mm-hmm. maybe sometimes frustration but ultimately, I think for you and me, at least, it's always out of a place of love, right? And I, and I, and I, like we want the good of our listeners. We want yeah. the good of of everyone. Um, we want people to grow in love of Christ. And so, and and sometimes it's the male brain of I see a problem, I have to fix it, <laughs> right? right? Which, it, which <laughs> and we've been, we've been very well trained to suppress that part of our brains, right? When we're with people in front of us, right? But I think sometimes when people aren't in front of us, we maybe jump to that. Right, exactly. And so, but not just that, it's also, um, we want, we're, but we're trying to help give some tools. But sometimes, because mm-hmm. like maybe, okay, maybe you are angry and frustrated. Totally fine. To be honest, like I was sharing with this with Father Anthony before the podcast. I'm like, I'm kind of done with coronavirus right now. <laughs> I'm done with that. Which, which my response is, well, too bad. <laughs> I know. It's just, but no, well, I no, feel that too. My goodness. I'm feeling it. I'm just like, I'm kind of, I'm at, well, like the new parish, I have to do like this past weekend. I had to do six masses on the weekend by myself, yeah, which that's too many, too many folks. Just telling you off the top of my head, I it's too much. Um, and all the funerals coming in, and everyone wants to meet, and they want to make plans about the fall. But I'm like, we don't know what's going on in the fall. I'm not ready to make plans, and it's just like, I'm just like, no, I just want to go to a monastery, run away, and go and <laughs> pray and study for the rest of my life. So I, I, so in a way, like I actually think right now, like it's interesting because I think maybe for you, I don't know about you, but for me, the lockdown was actually a time of real peace. And it's been, and it's been the reopening that's been causing, it's, it's actually been a reopening that I've had more frustration and anger and stuff like that, which is actually a good thing in that it helps me understand where people are coming from, at least from the emotional side. It may not be for the same reasons, but I get, I, I get it, you know, I get it yeah. a bit more. A few things. And I think when people hear that, like, you had peace during the lockdown, yeah, they first go to, like, oh, Father Harrison didn't care about the lockdown. No. And that's not what's happened with you. It's like you were able to immediately be like, this is God's providence in some sort of way. There's This is a thing that I can't fix. What can I do? I can go and pray. Yeah. And so your ability, because of, you know, just you've been walking with the Lord for long enough and you've been given this grace is that you were able to enter into that peacefully. Right. I don't know if you remember from our conversations, I was not peaceful at all. Right. Um, but that was because I've been struggling with different things just as a relatively newly ordained priest and it gave me time to reflect on a lot of things I had been avoiding. So for yep. me, it was kind of chaotic, right? Yeah. But also I think this is important to keep in mind as well because it's something I think happens in my parish and other people's parishes. We've gotten to a point, I think, that 
uh, like, okay, so I was walking into a sheets the other day and I put on my mask and I didn't even think about it. And then I realized I didn't even think about putting on my mask. Like just putting on my mask had become super normal for me. Right. And I was like, whoa, this has become super normal for me. And I think maybe a lot of people were at that place. And that can trick you into thinking that everything with either coronavirus or just the state of the United States right now, um, you forget that, that that like weighs on you in the back of your mind constantly. And so I've been seeing a, a lot of crankiness uh, in my in my own parish. Um, and I think it was like, oh, guys, we're all cranky because this has been a really tough time for everybody. Mm-hmm. And we have to make sure we deal with our crankiness or else we'll be lashing out at everyone else. I think that's a thing that's been going on in, in small ways and in, and in very big ways, uh, especially in the United States. But yeah. 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 No, I know. And I'm like, I don't know. It's, yeah. I'm not going to say anything about the States right now, I guess. It's just, I'm very grateful <laughs> to be Canadian right now. That's uh, <laughs> that's fair. But your country will fall too. Maybe. Um, Maybe. <laughs> all things are passing away. Rome was not eternal. <laughs> Neither will Canada. I, and I think that's the hard thing sometimes. I have to remember, like, people maybe don't think on, like, you and I, because we've been studying for priesthood, we do history and stuff like that. We can look at the larger picture very easily and sure. understand, like, pandemics have happened before. The churches have shut down before. This is, yeah. but, and, and also remember, folks, they don't teach you how to deal with a pandemic in seminary. That was one of the very many things they did not teach me in seminary. It's not part of the ratio from Rome to have a class nope. on pandemics. Okay, <laughs> maybe so, now it will be. Who, who knows? knows? <laughs> right. So, and but you know, I guess for me, and I know for me, the the theological virtue that's always been easiest for me is hope. Yeah. So for me, it's hard for me to even empathize with anger towards this stuff. I'm like, well, but God's here in some mysterious way. God's here. And I know that. And I trust that. Yeah. So for me, it's like, you do that. It's fine. Again, like I, it, for me, the crankiness or, or frustration is more with the minutiae of, of stuff around coronavirus. Mm-hmm. But I still, I know God's there and that he's there in my crankiness and he's there in my frustration <laughs> and that he's sharing yeah. that with me. Christ yeah. got frustrated and frank, cranky so that you and I, when we get those ways, he's there with us in it. And so it's like, so for me, it's hard to empathize sometimes with the anger around it all. And I recognize that. And I'm sorry about that. Um, um, but, we, you know, so sometimes we just don't, you know, we have blinders on onto certain things sometimes. And that's just the way life is. And I know sometimes people are going to have blinders towards me, but I don't take offense at it. I might get frustrated, yeah. but I don't take offense at it because I recognize, you know, you might not be thinking about this and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, because so, so when I first planned out this topic, I was going to kind of like briefly address how we handled things before, and then dive back into this idea of providence and this uh, book oh, right. <laughs> that the friend of the uh, podcast, uh, Shan Last, sent me, He Leadeth Me. Yeah. But uh, I think we've stumbled upon something that I, I hope is helpful, because it's not just about us in this podcast. Right. Like, uh, We're just using need... it as a launching pad uh, about, right. this, about this idea of discussion. Yeah, uh, and I think about um, uh, listening and uh, checking ourselves, and like I do, I, I don't mean this as a passive aggressive attack at people who've been cranky with us. I am yeah. literally talking about myself. Yeah, about like uh, checking myself and my heart, um, and I think uh, because especially in the United States, everything 
is so intensely, intensely uh, reactionary and communication is shut down um, uh, so absolutely in our public forums and other forums. Um, like I said, you can see it on little parish levels. You can see it on national levels. Um, and that's bad. <laughs> and what we really need to do mm-hmm. is work on listening, not just the other person, but listening to our own hearts as well. Because exactly. a lot of the time our hearts are saying things that aren't even part of our conscious mind yet. Exactly. No, I so th- I think that's what we talked about today. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah, listening. And, and I would say we need to have more charity towards each other. Like I'll give you an example, yeah. actually. Like I'm tempted on Twitter sometimes to dunk on people. With, yeah, oh, I mean, with, whomst with, among us has with, not with dunked on someone silly on takes, Twitter. right? With silly yeah. takes. I'm, I'm starting to, I'm trying not to do that. Yeah. Because, okay, yeah, this is, this is weird, this take or whatever, but charity demands, what are you trying to say? Yeah. And we need that on Twitter. We need that in our personal lives. We need that in podcasting. It's about trying to, actually, I preached on this last weekend when I was preaching about the Holy Father. And um, online commentators. And I said, you know, I, I get sometimes some people don't like a certain pope for whatever reason. But sure. out of our obedience to Christ, we owe it to show him respect and obedience. And then mm-hmm. to ask in the best light possible, what's he trying to say to me? And I think that's where we can do, that's something we can do towards everyone. Where we could do it better to say, why are they angry and frustrated? Yeah. Okay. We need to listen better in that regards. But then at the yeah. same time, those who listen to when we're talking to say, why are they saying this? What's, what's the thing? What are they trying to get at out of love? Because mm-hmm. I think in the heart of it, like you said earlier, we're all in this together and we're really, we all love Jesus and we want to, we all want to get to heaven. So like charity is so important in all this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I haven't said this yet, but I want to say I'm sorry yep. for all the times I'm ever a jerk. Same both here. on this podcast online. Well, I know I'm a jerk uh, sometimes. I know I'm getting. I know I get ahead, and I think yes. ahead of these things. So I'm. I am sorry about that. I hope yep. though too. People know that's just kind of how I roll, and I'm not. Right. I'm not. It's not that I'm not thinking about those things. I'm just addressing something or whatever. That's yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So cool. there you go. Cool. Do we? Uh, anything coming up lately you know i don't know so the the our, our friends the uh, the pauline sisters yeah they're they're teasing something that they're doing yeah and hold on a second i i kind of want to plug their tease i have i have no oh, idea yeah. i try i tried to ask uh sister uh teresa and she would not tell me which hmm. i am personally offended at hmm. um let's see if i can find it real quick so uh the uh the pauline sisters are teasing something called mm-hmm. uh chelo and tara mm-hmm. they're saying like get it's coming soon the first of september mm-hmm. okay you've got your secrets but uh maybe clerically speaking has uh our secrets as well maybe yeah, we right. got something big coming up uh maybe a few weeks after that yeah uh, sometime in september maybe something is gonna and, happen and maybe maybe not big but bigger i mean uh, who who can say who can say? The people will be able to say when our big thing happens. They'll be able to decide, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, pay you attention. Know, pay attention to the, the, the Pauline sisters and. Uh, yeah, sure. Chelo and Tara, but also, you know, keep tuning in to Clerically Speaking. Keep uh, checking your feed in September, you know, because we normally put out one podcast a week, but maybe maybe something special is coming up. I don't know. Who knows? Hard to tell. Whom's Who this can to know? say? Whom's this Whom's to say? Whom's to say? <laughs> so. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you guys for listening to Clerically Speaking. You can please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me, uh, actually you can't find me because I'll be taking a nap after this podcast. You can find me at FR Harrison. <laughs> Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Peace. God bless.